everyone. Welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. We're just two guys who like guys but love God. This is a safe place for real conversation. We'll talk about the highs and lows of life as a disciple with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your Home From Home. Welcome to a special Q&A episode with Guy Hammond. We ask his advice on some of the trickier questions submitted by you, the listeners. We discuss keeping your attraction secret from your spouse, sex changes, same-sex divorce, and address Guy's approach to pro-gay theology. Stick around and welcome to your home from home. We are here with all of us in the recording booth. Guy has taken a break from his busy writing schedule where he's been slaving away over a typewriter. Thanks for uh, joining us, Guy. <laughs> a typewriter? Good Lord. Yeah. Yeah, no typewriter. That clickety-clack sound. Yes, right, for, right. Just around it. And big, big glasses and candlelight. Exactly. Um, actually, uh, the reason why I had to stop writing today is because the ribbon ran out and I needed to go to the store and get a new ribbon so I can oh, keep typing. I see. <laughs> I see. I see. The hard thing about typewriter is you can't really erase what you do. You just have to... Every word you write needs to be good, and then you keep going. And or could or you, you just imagine scrap like out the page dramatically in the old days, like when they had to write with a feather, you know? <laughs> and you just, what do you do when you make a mistake on this? You're almost at the bottom, <laughs> and you make a out. mistake. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? You'd have to start all over. Oh, oh no. terrible! No, no, I'm just using my Mac. I'd love to read your next book, guy, with a feather. It would be really <laughs> nice to see it all handwritten. Yeah. Anyway. No, I don't know if there's going to be another book after this one. I think I think I'm I think I'm pretty much done. I think I've said everything that needs to be said. Oh my gosh! I mean, okay, I think well. you're a fantastic writer, so I think you should write many many more books if you can. But if you don't have it in you, I won't I won't hold that against you. Thank you. My wife thinks I'm a fantastic writer too. Based on the sales, though, not too many people agree with you. But anyway, thanks for the kind comment. Well, oh no, it's a lot not of you know. Hey. A lot of writers didn't get big until after they passed away. So maybe like a true artist, you have to die. <laughs> well, you probably won't have to wait that long, actually, then. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you got me dying in this podcast. How, how encouraging. Just, okay, good. Just just kidding, guy. Just you will write Thank your you. biography. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I mean, I mean, finding guy is your biography. I feel like that's that's the only biography the world needs. So you could just plug finding guy, and then you know, that's, that's right. It. And I certainly don't want a finding guy part two. That is not going to happen. No, so. no part two. No, be no part two. There's uh, no sequel. No sequel. Yeah. Okay. No sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Found guy. Found yeah. guy. Okay. It's nice to be all back together because you did our last episode. I know, all by Sorry. ourselves. It was weird not having you on the call. Yeah, I'm. It was weird not being there. Well, it was. It was nice. I went through when I was um, editing it. it so, <laughs> did you? You know, when you closed out the podcast, you closed it out like a news reporter. It was really impressive. Oh, you like, good night. <laughs> you, yeah, you were like, thank you and good night. <laughs> like we may be listening at different times. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. I was channeling uh, my inner MCR, you know, so long and goodbye. <laughs> exactly. No, it was perfect. But it's good to all be back together. We're here for our final episode, everyone, which is a Q&A. We've been through all three parts of Finding Guy. We which found has been him. A great He's time. right here. Yeah, we have. 
<laughs> that joke doesn't get old each episode either. Um, <laughs> and so um, the first episode, we talked about Guy's life before becoming a Christian. Then we talked about his life after becoming Christian and that transformation. And then in the third episode, um, we talked about, or Thomas talked about, starting strength and weakness and the amazing experience of that. It really is a really cool story. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, please do. But today we thought before Guy leaves us, we're going to ask him some tricky questions. <laughs> some things, we have so many questions for you guys, but some of them are harder than others. And we thought who better to answer some of the trickiest stuff yep. than Mr. Guy Hammond himself. Yeah, that way you don't have to get mad at us. We can just blame it all on Guy. That's that's really what it was. <laughs> You know, can yeah, I say that I really don't have all the answers, but uh, certainly willing to give it a shot. Oh, really? We here we were thinking that you were the the end all be all and all things same right. sex attraction. No, was- we appreciate we appreciate that guy because I mean, obviously your answers are your perspective, but you have yeah. so much experience even with answering some of these questions before. Because I know a lot of people ask you things. Sure. So hopefully, you've had some more practice than we yeah. have with some of these things. But um, I don't know. Should we go straight in? Should Thomas, we just dive in? The first? Yeah, let's yeah. let's do the first one. So the first one's a bit of a of a long one. So bear with me. Um, it says, "Hello, thank you all for this amazing podcast." Well, you're welcome. Thank you for <laughs> listening. I am just going to dive right in with my question. Great. I am married, but have never brought up my same sex attraction with my wife. I used to think that being same-sex attracted was was shameful and only recently learned that it's something natural. I struggle with guilt for filling it and guilt for not being more open about it. I used to be open about it with brothers in church many years ago, but stopped trying when I met my wife. I used to think that I needed to be open about same-sex attraction with every brother in my ministry, regardless of the D group I happened to be in. Rather than just talking to a select trusted few, and it led to a lot of negative experiences for me, I eventually just stopped being open and tried fighting it on my own. I was dazzled and amazed by my wife the first time I saw her, and I feel like she was the one that I will love and grow old with. I searched my heart and prayed for our friendship, our dating relationship, and eventually our marriage. But I honestly have never had a full conversation about my same-sex attraction with her, and I see that it really is holding me back from building a deeper, more physical relationship with her, which I so strongly desire to do. But sometimes I have trouble doing. I'm disappointed that it took me so long to accept my same-sex attraction as being natural, and I still have much to learn. I'm wary of fearing shame and hurt when I try to be open, but I'm willing to accept who I am. I want to repent and be open about my same-sex attraction, both with my wife and other people I can trust, but I'm not sure how to go about it after being silent for so long. Wow. wow. That's a great question. What do you think about okay. that one, Guy? Well, uh, I certainly applaud his longing and desire to live in the light, especially in regards to his relationship with his wife. I mean... That is the mm. most important relationship he has on the planet. Uh, it is a gift from God. I'm so encouraged to hear the tone uh, that he is using when describing how he feels about his wife. Uh, for a same-sex attracted man, being married to somebody of the opposite sex uh, certainly brings its unique nuances, some unique challenges to the relationship. But as being one who is on his second wife, I can tell you that there's no reason why you can't have an amazing, wonderful, love-filled relationship with somebody of the uh, opposite sex for the same-sex attracted Christian. And it sounds like that he's experiencing that. So I'm so glad to hear that. You know, I think that um, it is important for him to talk to his wife about this. 
Um, but I think, you know, there's a, I have a couple of suggestions on how to accomplish this. Number one, it is unfortunate that it has taken him this long to reveal this information to his wife. Uh, he shouldn't be surprised that she may feel a sense of betrayal uh, that he had not been open with her previously. Mm. And he's going to have to deal with that. And I think apologize for that. I don't think it was fair for him to marry her without really bringing this into the light and letting her know, you know, what she was getting herself into. So it is unfortunate, but that doesn't mean it can't be fixed. I think it's all in how he approaches this. It sounds like he has been living very successfully as a Christian man, uh, holding to what the Bible teaches in regards to sexual ethics, that he stayed faithful to his wife. In other words, homosexuality is not controlling him. He is controlling it. And I think when he presents this information to his wife, that's how he needs to present it. Saying something like, honey, I'm so sorry I wasn't open with you previously about this. I should have. I ask for your forgiveness. I want you to know that I, I do uh, live with same-sex attractions. But here's the thing. It does not control me. I control it. Um, I am living a faithful, righteous, godly life. I have some trusted spiritual advisors in my life that I'm open with. But I want to include you now. Um, and I just want you to know that I'm doing great spiritually. I'm never going to go back to that kind of life or participate in homosexuality. I love you. I love the Bible. I love the Lord's church. And I'm devoted to you the rest of my days. But I do have this uh, struggle in my life. And I'm so sorry I haven't told you previously, but I want you to know now. And I certainly welcome you to ask me anytime how I'm doing in this regard. And I promise to not continue to hide this. but. Um, to discuss this whenever you feel like that would be helpful. And even giving her the ability to speak to the other brothers that you've already included in your life who are walking alongside you in this. The goal is to let your wife feel secure in knowing that even though that you're struggling with this at certain times in your life, it's not controlling you. You're really doing great spiritually. So you want her to have that confidence. So yeah, there needs to be an apology. There needs to be an acceptance of the fact that you should have done this earlier. But I think from the sound of the note, you can actually absolutely say that you have lived faithfully before the Lord and faithful to her, and now you're just including her. Uh, and she should be very confident in the fact that you are really doing well spiritually in this regard. So yeah, it can totally be done. And I would even say, hey, reach out to me personally if you need some extra help, whoever this individual is, uh, reach me out at reach out at me at strengthandweakness.org and I'll talk to you. And and even my wife would be more than happy to speak to your wife. If she needs somebody to to help her through that, I mean, that's what our ministry does. That's why we're here. So you're not alone in this. And if you need some further assistance, contact us and let us know and we'll help you out. Yeah, that's amazing. That's great. Thanks, guy. Because, yeah, I really do. I feel for this guy because it is, um, I don't know. Yeah, he's been very vulnerable. And there's like, it's amazing just how he talks about his wife. But I can really, I guess the longer you go without talking about it, the harder it is to bring it up or totally it never feels like the right time so yes yeah and i think that's great and i i would recommend if you if you really want help then that is the point of 
uh, of strength and weakness is to help with these these tricky situations, which um, can be sometimes hard to navigate and sometimes hard to just feel supported. And so, if you, like, I would re- really would recommend for that support with your marriage as well. Yeah, and and I think a, f- a good follow up question to have with that for people who are listening to the podcast is maybe to ask what you think, guy. Like, when would be an appropriate time to bring up? something like same-sex attraction when you are i mean ideally right you don't want to wait until you're married to bring that up but like when in a dating slash engagement period um when would be a good time to kind of bring bring something like that up you think my personal opinion is that uh, early in a dating relationship is too soon i think revealing this kind of deep personal information at a when the relationship is just starting off and you're just getting to know each other I don't know. I just feel like that per- that information is too uh, personal to to go there. I do think, though, if the relationship is beginning to escalate and you're recognizing that, hey, I think we're going to get engaged soon. We recognize that this is going to be reality. I think that's a good time to uh, bring this into the light. I also mm-hmm. strongly suggest that when you do this, that it would be helpful to do this with another trusted spiritual couple with you or at least uh, to join you soon afterwards so that it would give your fiance or soon to be fiance the ability to ask questions or have somebody else to talk to to unpack this newly revealed information. You never want it to be that you say something like, listen, I'm going to tell you something, but you can't ever tell anyone else. Don't do that to your significant other. Uh, give them the freedom to be able to discuss this with people that they feel safe with. I think it's appropriate to say something like, listen, would you please respect my need for privacy? I don't want the whole world to know this. If you could keep this within a small circle of trusted friends, I would appreciate that. But I do want you to have the freedom to talk to other people about this. So uh, by doing that, you can um, uh, you know, really help your significant other uh, work their way through this. And I would say that that would actually also go back to the first question. This gentleman who would like to talk to his wife, don't say to your wife, don't ever tell anybody else. Don't do that to her. But include a couple of other trusted spiritual couples that you both feel safe with who could be included in this so that she has a safe place to go to uh, get some perspective as well. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's good. That's good advice. And it is hard. It is hard to talk about these things. I remember you and I, Guy, having a similar conversation with my girlfriend. Granted, our, our uh, circumstances were a little bit different. You're like, hey, you probably want to tell her sooner or later sooner than later because you are in a pretty public ministry so you don't want her yes. to find out by right. by google <laughs> uh but i remember just being so terrified to talk to soph about that because it's something that's so vulnerable and i don't think i don't know like it, there definitely is that fear of of rejection of of like oh like because this is something that's too weird or too out there um but know that i think for listeners know that like if that person if you're getting ready to marry this person and and you feel like this person is like loves you to enough to marry you like they're going to be able to work through those things you know and it, and it's not a deal breaker a lot of the time yeah and that said there might be somebody uh where it is a deal breaker and if that's the case then Amen. I mean, that's Amen. the whole reason why we're letting them know yeah. we want to be fair to them and give right. them the ability to back out. If I mean, let's face it. I mean, yeah. living the rest of your life with a person who is not physically attracted to you, you know, there's a there's a, 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 there's a cost to be paid to there. Them. Yeah, it's yeah. not an easy thing to go through. It's very doable. And again, my uh, my second wife and she's doing it lovely or in a wonderful way. So 
But I mean, hey, let's give them a chance to back out if they feel like, gee, that's just a little bit too much of what I was expecting much. for. Yeah. But I, I think you're probably right, uh, Thomas. Uh, most, uh, if the relationship has been built on the authority of, of God and, and uh, that's the foundation of your relationship and it's a Christian love, and which would, of course, include a love of kindness and love uh, and forgiveness, then I think, uh, yeah, chances are high that the, the person you're speaking to would be um, very accepting and accommodating and willing to work through this. We have two buzz questions, which um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on because we don't know exactly where we land with them. Um, the first one is, if there is a gay couple that has been married and wants to get baptized, should we make them divorce? Quite simple. <laughs> really? You think that one's Sorry, simple? Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, it's, 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 well simple. <laughs> it's simple to me for me to say, yeah. not for you to answer. I can throw that off. <laughs> Sorry, God. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, this is complex stuff, right? I mean, it's um for sure. It's amazing how difficult Satan has made it uh, for people to be able to re- to repent and for people to turn to the Lord. I mean, how do you unscramble an egg? Uh, mm-hmm. When we start dealing with situations like people who are legally married, even maybe have adopted children, but now one or both of the partners decide that they want to follow Christ. How do you unscramble that? Uh, it's, it's not easy. These are complex realities, especially when you start considering the idea that they they may have a mortgage together. They have, they have their finances together. They have investments yeah. together. I mean, there's just a lot of moving parts there. So I think, first of all, that we as Christians in the church would need to be extremely patient recognizing the complexities involved and giving people time and space to figure these things out. Uh, mm. These things will not be able to be changed or, uh, yeah, these things will not be able to be changed very quickly. Uh, I think um, in regards to the divorce question, if if two men or two women were legally married, I don't think it would be considered in the Lord's eyes a divorce because I don't think the Lord would have recognized the marriage to begin with. Uh, clearly, uh, Scripture talks about marriage between that of, of a man and a woman. There's no example anywhere in Scripture of two people of the same gender being involved in a covenant relationship. So I don't think God would recognize the marriage. So before the Lord, I don't think anybody is getting divorced. Now, there may obviously be divorce proceedings involved legally that we would need to work our way through. Uh, and that's one thing. But in terms of it being in front of God, I don't think he would recognize the divorce. I'll also say that I've heard the argument expressed that could two gay people who had been married continue to live together, provided that it be a celibate relationship and they still stay under the same roof. Uh, this would be especially be the case if there were children involved. But now they share separate bedrooms, and it's no longer a physically romantic relationship, just a celibate relationship. Um, I understand the thinking behind that. I personally don't see that working. I, I can't imagine any wisdom behind allowing two men or two women who have been romantically inclined to continue to live together under the same roof, uh, even for the sake of children. Uh, the problem here isn't 
just that these two people would have been sexually involved with one another, but they would have been romantically enmeshed. And to expect that they would be able to stay together for a long period of time in two separate rooms uh, and it not go back to being a um, sexual relationship is highly unlikely. I mean, we don't do that with couples uh, if they live together and they're heterosexual in nature and they're working towards becoming a Christian. We wouldn't say, we'll just continue to live together until you become Christians and then someday maybe you can get married. No, of course not. We recognize that there would need to be a, a physical separation. So I think that would have to be the case here too. Um, but it's it's complicated. I would just say that uh, we would need to move with extreme uh, patience, giving these individuals a lot of support and love while they try to figure this out. Yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. the key word that you say is patience. I think sometimes... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think sometimes in church culture or whatever, we we want conversions to be quick and easy. You know, we want them to be immediate and being like, oh, my goodness, time is of the essence. We don't know when tomorrow is and we don't know if tomorrow's promise and all of these things. But I think I think having the key for patience of understanding that these are complex issues and they don't happen right away and i mean you always say that you know guy you you, it took you two years you know and and that that's amazing because i don't know that a lot of churches may not have the patience to to do that so i think that's the key that's the key phrase is patience and understanding well i think one of the things we have to recognize is that this this stuff is messy yeah and um as we talk about these kinds of issues you don't have to admit that Whatever the answer, this is going to be messy. But, you know, that's all right. As you read through, for instance, Paul's letters, especially, Mm -hmm. we see a lot of things that were brought into the church that needed to be addressed. And it was messy. It was messy, yeah. You know, when you look at even Jesus at at his level of love, I mean, it was scandalous, right? I mean, think of Mary Magdalene, Zacchaeus, Matthew, a tax collector, the woman caught in the act of adultery. I mean, all messy, all uncomfortable, but all godly. And we get into trouble in the church when we think that everything has to be very neat and clean, and we have to have these absolute, clean, perfect answers to everything. Listen, no, some of this stuff is going to be messy, but that doesn't mean that it's not godly. And so it's okay with a messy church. I mean, that's, come on, can we all admit it? It's messy because we're in it too. So uh, that's fine if it's messy. But these kinds of things we're discussing here on this podcast, yeah, messy stuff, but that's okay. It doesn't mean it can't be godly. I love like just the approach of, I think, yeah, there's kind of two understandings which are essential, which is like understanding just the mess and complexity of these situations, especially to do with sexuality and relationships and spirituality. And so there's, there's number one, the understanding of the mess. And then number two, just a real imitation of Christ's love, of that patient love, which will really walk through. And I think you bring up such a great point, Thomas, that, um, that I can find actually often in my own heart and in our church culture, we can be not, we, we, we don't do those things. We don't understand the complexities of people's own journey. And we also are, can be quick to be impatient and just kind of want to find a solution very quickly. And, um, that's, that's not something that's necessarily biblical. I think that's something that we, that's just our own humanistic nature of wanting things to be resolved quickly. And, um, so those those sounds like great responses. So 
Let's go on to the next buzz question here. Um, it says, as a Christian, what is your opinion on sex change and how would you navigate this in studying the Bible with someone who either had a sex change or is planning to have a sex change? Uh, two separate questions there. Uh, for somebody who is wanting to have a sex change or is considering that, they're considering transitioning. Um, I, I don't. I don't see space in scripture for somebody to uh, change their sex. Can't imagine that a, a Christian would, would do that. I think there would need to be a, an appreciation for the fact that everybody needs to submit their sexuality to Jesus, including people like the three of us on this call who recognize that this is not easy, but we can do it. And I'm not at all suggesting that we wouldn't be incredibly empathetic for the individual who is trying to make such a decision. Obviously, somebody who's considering the idea of transition, I mean, unless you've been through it and I haven't, uh, it would be incredibly difficult for us to appreciate the challenges involved for mm -hmm. somebody who was not uh, satisfied in uh, the sex with which they were born. Obviously, a very challenging and difficult situation. But I think that they can live faithfully and successfully for Jesus, and there would be strategies that would need to be put in place to help them live successfully uh, in the uh, sex that they were born with. What do you do, though, with a person who is coming into the church, who's interested in Jesus, and they've already transitioned? Uh, you know, um, there's no easy answer provided by the Bible. I mean, ultimately, people will have to come to their own convictions and where they can stand with God on this. But my own thoughts are this, and again, remember, this is messy, but I think once we can confront our feelings of uncomfortability and the messiness of it all, then, you know, I, I, I can't actually logically come to a place that says that one has to go back to their assigned sex before becoming a Christian. Um, I mean, I certainly can't find biblical evidence that somebody would need to change after, uh, if they had changed already before becoming a Christian. Um, but I do have one caveat. I think that the transgendered person would need now to hold to a historically perspective of the biblical sexual ethic. I don't think that they would need to detransition to get baptized. Uh, I mean, we all come into the church with scars and we can't go back to fix it. I mean, take, uh, I don't know, divorce, for instance. If a person is coming into the church and they had previously experienced divorce, we wouldn't suggest that they need to go back and remarry the partner, the ex-partner. Uh, and then you've got the example of uh, of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, where he says that you should remain as you are in whatever stage or circumstance of life that you find yourself in when you're entering the church. So no, I, I don't think that a person would need to go back and detransition as long as they would be in agreement with what the Bible taught moving forward. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, that said, I would like to think that anybody who wants to give their life to God would want out of their immense love for God and desire to live as God desires, that they would want to even be on the trajectory of going back to God's initial intent for their life. So mm. do I think that um, they need to retransition? No, I don't. But I do think that we would need to be very careful and compassionate and patient. <laughs> There's the patient again. Uh, and, and, um, Recognize there's very heavy physical, mental, emotional, and financial tolls on an individual who's transitioned. 
I mean, just expecting somebody to detransition overnight is really unrealistic. Uh, the, the, the amount of challenges that person would have gone through already in life to get to that place. Are we really going to now to somehow in a seat of judgment, expect them to change all of that to become a Christian? I, I can't see it. I wouldn't want to stand before God uh, having done that to somebody. No. Um, and we're also more about the heart than the outside appearance. So I just feel mm-hmm. like if somebody's coming into the church already transitioned, yeah, I can't, can't in good conscience suggest that they have to change in order to follow Jesus. Yeah. Again, we go back to the word messy, right? Where it's, it's, it's not always clear cut, but, I, but I like what you said about the scripture of, of talking about come as you are, right? Cause I would think, and a lot of the things following God is a lot of a matter of the heart of what's in the heart. So it's like, if you, I mean, even for me, right. And I know this is different because we're talking about sexuality versus gender, which is two different things, but I know for me is when I came back to church, I can't go and undo all of the decisions that I made when I left and I can't undo the things that I've experienced, but I can choose being like, okay, I'm going to come as I, as I am with the knowledge that I have. Yes. And I'm going to submit that to God and I'm going to want to, you know, whatever that looks like, I'm going to want to figure that out. And I think that's ultimately what it is, is. I think with a lot of these questions of how do we study the Bible with people? How do we like figure this stuff out? I think sometimes what we forget is that we get so focused on what's going on in the person's life, quote unquote, sin wise, or like getting into theology or the scripture of like the right or wrong way. But we forget that a lot of it is a relationship (laughs) and it's, and it's, it's showing someone a loving God who wants a relationship with you. And so, if you're in a relationship with someone, you know, if you're truly in love with somebody, there isn't anything you wouldn't do for that person. You know, I, I kind of look at my relationship with self, like there's just, I would do just about anything for Sophia because I love her. So I think if we focus more on that, on showing who God is and showing how much Jesus loves that person. And it becomes a lot more about a, a loving relationship with God than the like, you have to do this or you have to do transition or you have to divorce. You have to do all of these things. Um, you know, we have to, again, assuming that they fall in love with God first. So I think that's the important part and kind of the advice I would always give to people who are starting the Bible with people, regardless of what the sin or whatever they're struggling with is you can't expect someone to change their entire life and their entire worldview without being in love with Jesus first. Yeah. And it's a process helping people to fall in love with Jesus. I don't know if this is a relevant example, but as you were speaking, Guy, like this, the a key example that came into my mind was like the Ethiopian eunuch mm. when he became, um, mm. when Philip met him on the road, because he was, so eunuchs, um, for those who don't know, had often a very close relationship to a woman in power or authority. So at a younger age, they'd be castrated, which is removing the testicles which is a part of a sex change really and it would there's certain things like a lack of testosterone will lead to lack of kind of sexual desire but then also a lot of um masculine traits as well and so this guy would have had a lot of these things in his chariot when philip came up to him and um i don't know his urgency to become a christian and the simplicity of kind of his statement of like well what's stopping me from becoming a christian um or what's stopping me from being baptized and there really wasn't anything, so he was baptized, and and I think that's um, 
maybe something where there's some relevance there. But I think that's that's even a cool example because you wouldn't necessarily. So when I was growing up reading that, I had no idea that there'd be any kind of issue of gender or masculinity in some of these people becoming Christians, but there were. I mean, sometimes we just don't, we need to dig a bit deeper in the Bible to see that there's, there's some cool examples there as well and some precedent. last question which is very relevant to a lot of discussions happening at the moment how are you guys dealing with the movement in many churches towards the conviction that living as lgbtq plus is not a sin in any way and pushing the next generation of our church towards people living freely in same-sex relationships or in their own chosen gender identity whilst being disciples of jesus as a way of exemplifying the radically empathetic and non-condemning nature of Jesus. That's a very long sentence. But yes, so how we, as even as strength and weakness, I think it would be cool to hear from your perspective, Guy, approaching this new kind of dialogue, especially with things about pro-gay theology of an understanding of, okay, well, if we're really embodying Jesus's radical love, then surely we should be kind of embracing all kinds of relationships or gender identities at church but how would you how are you starting to approach those things guy or yeah well first of all i think it's a mistake for us to think that just because jesus radically loved doesn't mean that he uh didn't hate sin uh and mm. that sin didn't have a dramatic effect even on him because he's the one who died for sins uh you know we live in a culture and a society today that says that love should be the final standard for determining between what is right and wrong. Welcome to 2021. But while I understand that that argument would be logical for people who are not adherents to uh, what the Bible teaches on these things, that cannot be the standard for the Christian. Love cannot be the final determining factor between determining whether a relationship is right or wrong. I mean, love may be very sincere, but it might be very sincerely wrong also. Uh, we would never suggest that two Christian uh, heterosexual people would be allowed to be involved in a sexual relationship before marriage uh, just because they deeply love each other. We're not arguing whether or not they deeply love each other, but clearly sexual intimacy between two people before marriage biblically is not uh, what God would want. I mean, just a casual reading of the Bible would show that. I mean, you don't need a degree in, in uh, Greek or Hebrew to understand this. So we're not talking about whether or not God loves these people. Of course he loves these people. But that doesn't mean they're free just to live however they want if they're going to be followers of his. I mean, that's the whole point of being a Christian. The self-denial. We die. Christ lives. So this whole idea that somehow... You know, Jesus approves of everything. That's ridiculous. Does Jesus love everybody? Y'all, that is absolutely true. Does Jesus love gay, lesbian, transgender individuals? Of course he does. The, the topic isn't love. Of course Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them. And so should Jesus' church. Jesus' church should love these people. Be kind to them. Be respectful to them. Be welcoming to them. Be hospitable. That, that can't be the argument. If we're truly going to imitate Jesus, then... All of those elements have to be in place in our hearts and in our lives, and have, we have to show that. But that doesn't mean that we're just automatically going to suggest that all things that people do is all of a sudden okay because we love them. Um, you know, as Christians, we're stewards of, of truth. 
And God has given us the responsibility to teach truth. And right now, I'll tell you, one of the things that makes me lose sleep at night is uh, it is shocking to me, quite honestly, oh, of how many people in the church today are persuaded because of emotion and experience and feelings rather than scripture. But Christians can't make changes on biblical doctrine based on emotion or experience or stories. And certainly the church can't make massive changes on doctrinal issues based on emotion. I mean, we have a lot of churches in our world today that have done that. They've capitulated. They've completely given in. It's become the popular notion to suggest that you can be gay and a Christian. And because we live in such a wishy-washy doctrinal world where there's almost no conviction any longer, there are churches that now suggest you can be gay and a Christian. They're gay-affirming churches. The, the notion is ridiculous to me. And Jesus' church cannot make massive changes on doctrinal issues based on emotion. So right now, the church is being challenged. You know, what is our response? It's actually what this next book is you, you referred to that I'm currently writing uh, that will come out in the summer of 2021, a response to this notion that you can be gay and a Christian, that love is the determining factor between what is right and wrong, and Jesus just loves everybody, and so that means everything is okay, and it just isn't. And I recognize that's countercultural. I recognize that people don't like it. I recognize some people right now are turning off the podcast and may never want to listen to it again. But you know what? Scripture also tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I think it's verse 2. Forgive me for not remembering exactly, but we need to preach the word in season and out of season, when it's popular and when it isn't. And I don't know if there's ever been a time in church history when biblical sexual ethics has been popular. Wasn't popular, I'm sure, 2,000 years ago. It's not popular today. No big surprise. But uh, we need to be able to teach uh, this with conviction, with biblical truth. Uh, we need to teach it radically. But while we do that, let us also radically love. The two go hand in hand. But we absolutely must stand up for biblical truth in this regard. So this idea that Jesus loves, we need to love. Yeah, you got me. Absolutely. I would never disagree with that. But Jesus loves everybody so that everything is okay. Yeah, find me that in the Bible. I don't see it. Mm. Yeah, I think I think your point is really good where we, I don't know, like, I think it's becoming more and more of a generational thing, but I think we get confused with what love really is and being like, oh, if you loved me, then you would let me do anything that I want, right? And so you look, I mean, guy, as a, as a father, just because you love your kids doesn't mean, you know, when you were raising them, you didn't let them do whatever they want, right? You didn't let them, you know, when they were nine years old and they wanted to eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you didn't, you loved them, so you didn't let them eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because that wouldn't be good for them, you know? So I think yeah. sometimes we can confuse what love is, is that like, oh, because you love me, then you'll accept and you'll allow me to do whatever I want. And I think there is that, you know, love does come with acceptance and that we're going to love and Jesus loves you for where you are, but that doesn't mean he's going to condone what you believe in. And I think that's some, that's something that the church I think can get confused. Um, and, I, and what I appreciate about strength and weakness is that we can show that we can love, we can accept people for where we, they are, we can walk with them, we can do all of those things without saying, without condoning the sin, right? And I think we can, that doesn't mean we don't love, right? And so I, I don't know. I just think that that's well, I get know, it. Clear. I mean, this is, this is an emotional issue, right? I mean, because, so I do understand this. Um, 
because we're not just talking about theology or doctrinal mm-hmm. issues here. We're talking about our friends. We're mm-hmm. talking about family members. Mm-hmm. We're talking about people that we love and we care about. We're talking people. about ourselves. And, <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, let's, you know, on this let, podcast, we're let, actually talking about the three of us. And let's be exactly. honest. If, if, if the Bible was okay with same sex relationships, uh, I probably would be, have a boyfriend right now, you know? Well, yes, and I'd be married to a man, right? Yeah. So, and I'd still be single. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that's so sad. Um, no, we gotta, we gotta ask. Regardless of how emotional this is, um, we gotta ask. Where's the examination of scriptures? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for those of you who are listening to this podcast right now. And maybe, you know, you haven't turned us off yet because you're so angry at what I just said. You know, trust me when I say that there's nobody who understands the immense difficulties that homosexually attracted Christians face uh, more than Thomas Topher and Guy. Like where every fiber, every fiber of your being says this, this is what you were created for. Well, at the same time, your faith says that this attraction isn't compatible with its values. I mean, that is a huge inconvenient truth uh, for us. And Thomas and Topher and Guy Hammond, I mean, our stories is one of having to carry these burdens uh, of these desires for the same gender. It's not been easy, but we do it. And, you know, as Christians, we deny them, trying our best to grow in our obedience and our love for Jesus and God's plan. And in doing so consistently, resist the the temptation to turn to our own plan. So we get it. We understand the tension here. um, But the idea that somebody be gay and a Christian, uh, is a ridiculous notion to me. I see no room anywhere in scripture for that. You know, read my next book coming out in the summer if you want to talk more about it. But yeah, I don't see any space for that at all. And again, that our ethic would be decided upon, our ethos would be decided upon love alone, that that would be the deciding factor between right and wrong. Yeah, good luck with that. I, I don't see that anywhere in the Bible. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. And I, I think it's something that, I can find the rhetoric quite frustrating sometimes with this pro-gay, pro-gay theology movement because sometimes it's driven often by, not by people who are, <laughs> it can sometimes be people who are same-sex attracted or part of these churches, but then also it's often like not, and it's, it's general straight or uh, heteronormative people who are pushing for this, which I find frustrating sometimes because I'm like, well, can we like, can we ask and include the experiences of there's so many same-sex attracted disciples who are part of um, our family of churches and various churches um, who have really amazing lives. And that's not something that I, I don't know. I just think there's, there's a point there that I wanted to make that like, we should, we should care about the perspective of those, especially who are same-sex attracted. And we understand of course, how difficult it is, but I mean, Ultimately, for me, I, the the process of surrendering this hasn't been something which has just been painful and awful. It's actually been profound and really faith building, and something where my identity is in so something which is so much deeper than my sense of gender, so much deeper than my sexuality. Um, and I think just succumbing to that pressure of okay, well, you know, no, those things are important defining parts about yourself to me feels like a cop out um in faith. I don't know, I just want to celebrate as well like the even though it is a burden, it's something which has really refined our faiths and um mm-hmm. and God has really chosen to bless our lives through it as well. Yeah. But yeah. No, I I want to, you know, take a moment to say that like I I completely agree with you. I think there's been 
so much. I mean, watching Finding Guy, you know, knowing knowing you, uh, Topher, and, and our stories, and just knowing of how much we've grown through this and how deep our relationship with God is because of this. I think like to not to deny yourself of that and just to just cop out and do what's easy, you know, think about where our relationship with God would be like, it may not be as strong. And so I just want to speak for everyone who's listening. Like we get it. We know it's difficult, but like also know that there's a lot of beautiful things that can come from it. And for people who, you know, I think to your point of people, a lot of the people who are pushing for it are straight. Like I get that, but I can also see why they're pushing for it because it's their friends. It's their family members. It's the people in their lives that they love that maybe they don't want they don't want people to feel like they have to suffer in that way to to be loved by God or to be okay with God. But I just want to let the people know who maybe be thinking and feeling that or who have family members to know that there's hope and know that, you know, you can stick towards biblical conviction, but there's still hope for those people who could still live completely fulfilling, love-filled, you know, Jesus-filled lives. And it doesn't have to be this life of like, self-denial misery where you're just like in woe the whole time. Like, honestly, I think my life is pretty great. And I would think, you know, Topher thinks his life is really great. And I know Guy always says he's too blessed to stress. So, I mean, I think, I think life is good and very beautiful out of sacrifice. Like there can be beautiful things that come out of that as well. Yeah. Well said. And that's a great place to end. Yeah. I think. I think so. <laughs> Guy, thank you so much for joining us over these last four episodes. We know you have been busy and it's been so good to have your thoughts and inputs and also just for our listeners to get to know your story because, um, I mean, me and Thomas already had known you before and it's been so great sharing just um, the things that we really love about you with our listeners as well. So thanks so much for joining us, Guy. Yeah, thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me, Guy. Super appreciated. And thanks for uh, all the work you're doing on this podcast. It's become a global phenomenon and uh so so proud of what you guys are accomplishing thank you well really quickly do you want to do you have a release date for your book of when they should people should look for it and what it's called so that they can google it when it does come out oh my gosh you're putting me on the spot well um you know things always change when it comes to publishing but right now uh people are going to be able to start pre-ordering the book uh i believe it's on june 15th and the book is called Gay and Christian with a question mark. Uh, how pro gay theology is smashing into the church like a speeding train without a whistle. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's an intense. That's an intense title, right? I love it. I love <laughs> and it. The cover has got a picture of a church on a set of train tracks, and a oh. train is about to smash into the church. I like that. Dramatic, right? My gosh, there's so much urgency. That's the book version of clickbait. <laughs> Exactly. And if people want to reach you and ask any questions, is there, what's the best way that they can reach you, Guy? Contact uh, Thomas and Topher and ask them. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, they can absolutely reach out to me anytime, me and my staff, uh, info at strengthinweakness.org. Um, and if you want to speak to directly to Guy Hammond, you would just say in the email, hey, can I speak directly to Guy Hammond? My administrative staff would forward it to me. Uh, please be patient. Sometimes, you know, I'm just not able to get back to people as quickly as people would like, but certainly want to as fast as I can. But yes, we I mean, we have a whole 
staff of people working with strength and weakness who are able to assist and help. But if you want my personal attention, you just need to say that in the email so my administrative staff knows to forward it to me. Okay. Well, perfect. That's amazing. Well, thank you again for being here. We're going to wrap up. So long and good night. We love you guys. (laughs) Good night. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries, a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.